Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Dave Mannix, who is VP of Enterprise Sales at Emerge. And today we're going to talk about the unintended consequences of inconsistent freight procurement. Now, there are a lot of words that are associated with supply chain management. You know, you got, you know, uh, agility, responsiveness, flexibility. Um, but there's one other word you don't hear, you know, that often, but it's also important, and, and that is consistency, um, which is defined as, and I got this, in, you know, definition from, uh, from online, it's defined as conformity in the application of something, typically that which is necessary for the sake of logic, accuracy, or fairness. So why is consistency important, especially in freight procurement? Um, what are some of the unintended consequences of inconsistency? And how can technology help companies manage their transportation spend and data in a consistent way? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to discuss in today's episode. It's great to have Dave on the program to share his insights and advice on this topic. So Dave, welcome to the program. Thanks, Adrian. Pleasure to be here. Look forward to kind of chatting with you and, and talking about those consistency, inconsistencies, agility, and, and, and kind of some of the things we're doing here to merge. Great, great. Well, you know, your first time guest uh, on, on Talking Logistics, we've had, a, you know, a couple of your other colleagues uh, from Emerge on the program. But like I always like to do whenever I bring on a, a, a guest for the first time on the program, I'm always curious how you got, you know, people get involved in this industry. So why don't we start there really briefly? Tell us a little bit about your career path, you know, how and why you got involved in supply chain logistics and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Emerge. Yeah, thanks. Been in the industry for 39 years. So it has been a few, a few, a few places around the world that I've been. A few, a few different companies uh, that I've been with and been now at Emerge since January. So six quick months. Uh, awesome to be with this team. My journey started back in 1980 when I worked for a retailer uh, on the dock when I was uh, back, kind of summer and and uh, Christmas time, helping in dock and operations. And I just enjoyed being able to assist the entire store with all the needs that they had and just juggling all those various jobs, if you will. And and uh, when I graduated in 83, I, I had my degree and I was ready to work. And I, I sent my resume into the company and I got a, a decline from that company. And I ran into the store manager and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I was hoping to go to work for, for the company. And he said, let me make a phone call. And he called out to the distribution center. And I ended up starting there two weeks later at $5.50 an hour in 1983 and quickly moved up to junior executive program, making $14,500 a year and stayed with the company for six years. And finally, after six years, the company merged with another company. And I had a counterpart that had over 20 years, but uh, I was over, I was a director over transportation and distribution. And so that was where I was going to stay. I mean, that's what I loved. That's what I enjoyed. And so I spent 18 years in the operations side. And that really helped me understand. And I worked in the store as well as the distribution center. They had a program where they were kind of doing musical chairs. And they said, hey, we're going to take some distribution people. We're going to put them in the stores. We're going to take some store people and put them in the distribution center. Well, I got to the store and I was over houseware, stationary lamps and pictures. And I'm like, okay, rah, rah, rah. This is what we got to get done today. And the store manager went, time out, Dave. These people are, you got to kind of, adjust with them, be a little bit more patient with them, talk about, you know, how their morning is and things like that. You got to slow down a little bit. So I learned a lot about that piece. And then the last 21 years, I've been on the sales side. So um, I think it's helped me understand the operational side. I still try to stay engaged as much as I can, because as I go in and talk to folks, I need to be able to have some kind of sense of what they do 
from an operational aspect so I can provide the right technology that they need and understand their pain points instead of just hearing it. I've kind of lived it a little bit. And I know that's a little difficult having having somebody that's in operations move over into sales, but uh, I think it, I think it's been key. So that's that's what's going on with me. And again, I've been over with uh, George Abernathy and Michael Leto and Andrew Leto and and a bunch of the folks on the team uh, here at Emerge, and it's an exciting place to be. Yeah, that's a great, uh, you know, great journey and great, great starting point. And I agree. I mean, I think you know, starting in operations is so helpful for for everyone. Um, I mean, I started my career. I'm I'm an engineer by background, but I started my career in new product development and manufacturing. So I was in the front lines of of manufacturing for a while, and um, and I think it helps so much. You know, ultimately, when I transitioned over and and started being an industry analyst. Um, you know, it's a different environment, obviously, but having walked in the shoes of the people that are in the front lines of the day-to-day, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's store operations, whether it's distribution operations, um, unless you've walked in their shoes and you've lived it and breathed it yourself, um, you don't fully understand it. And it is quite a, you know, so it's a great to have that, that foundation, that background, that experience. Yeah, it gives you a level of credibility, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so great, uh, great journey there. Uh, thirty-nine years. Certainly, a lot has uh, you know changed uh, over those thirty-nine years. I, I think to say I've, I've been at it now for twenty-three years uh, in my current kind of role as an industry analyst. And you know, time flies by, but it also uh, you know uh, every you learn day something new every day, right? Exactly, you learn something new every day. Uh, so let's get right into the topic now. I mean, uh, you know, like I said in my opening remarks, I mean, we we often talk about the needs for companies to be agile in response to changing market conditions. But consistency, you know, is also important to kind of avoid chaos and and confusion. I mean, so how do those two things, you know, agility and consistency apply to freight procurement? I mean, why are they so important? Yeah, I feel the recipe is really having and knowing where to get the data or your data as, as a shipper, if you will. And freight procurement really is that layer outside of execution and the layer that a shipper's data and of course technology can drive that agility and consistency prior to the execution layer. So I think the agility is really the power of technology, like what we deploy here uh, at Emerge with respect to our RFP platform. And then our platform allows users to take as much data as you want to throw at it and create scenarios prior to making that final you know, awarding decision uh, that can be integrated uh, in a routing guide, if you will, to execute off of. And then technology to me is great if technology is nimble. So it's got to be something that quickly you can understand it, make use of it, and not make it too cumbersome so the rest of your team doesn't understand how it works and, and, and making sure that it, it works at the appropriate time that you need it to work to understand, you know, the savings that you need to drive from it, specifically on an RFP procurement uh, platform, such as what we have uh, deployed at Emerge. So I really think it's, it's that, uh, again, that recipe of knowing, getting, where can you get your data, um, making sure it's, it's good, clean data. And then from that, being able to take the technology you need to be able to drive that data and make, and make solutions out of it. Yeah, you know, I think you know, oftentimes you know, when I when I when I think about these things, I mean, they, they at first glance they may seem to be in kind of intention, right? So, you know, agility kind of implies you're continuously changing, right? And then consistency means, hey, you're trying to, you know, almost trying to have some conformity, some you know, stability, if you will, to to things. 
but but I think you know you're right. I mean, part, you know, part of it is with the data because the data today in, in supply chain logistics and especially in transportation is going to provide you with some insights to make some kind of data-driven decisions. I mean, that's kind of the things that we've been talking more and more about these, these days. Um, so you need to be flexible enough to say, hey, you know what, we the way we've been doing things um, historically is not aligned with you know today's market realities, and we need we need to change. And the data helps to inform where where to focus those changes on, right? But once you decide that, um, in terms of how you go about executing, how you're going about to, uh, you have to have a consistent way of doing that. You need to have a consistent way of of approaching change, you know, in in, in some ways. Because if you if you don't have some kind of structure or consistency about the way you analyze data, and then make those decisions, and then execute on those decisions. Um, you know, you're going to have people working on different playbooks and different approaches. And, you know, ultimately that's going to lead to, like I said before, chaos and, uh, you know, more, more problems. So I think you're right. The data, it starts with the data uh, and the technology helps to kind of both analyze that data to help with the data driven decision making. But then also once those decisions are made, helps to provide some structure, some consistency about how to go about executing that. Right? Yeah. And I think that's part of what we then kind of um, meet and, and have very good strategic discussions with our customers to understand how that procurement needs to evolve from there. Right. In terms of, hey, with the market softening, when was the last time you've gone out to bid? If it's been quite some time. Um, you've probably had some rate increases along the way. And I'm probably pretty sure that those carriers haven't called you in the last few months to say, hey, we're going to give you 5% back. Um, not happening. And so you need to you need to be able to go out and quickly um, make use of, of procuring. Maybe it's a mini bid. Uh, maybe it's a 90-day bid instead of doing just a crunch annual bid to be able to find out really where, where, where it's, what's happening and then one of the other things that we've done recently is we've deployed a benchmarking tool that can do that very, you know, take some of those contractual lanes. Let's see where you are to market. Let's let's then from there go, oh, gosh, I've got a lot of lanes that are over market. Uh, I need to be able to create a quick bid to be able to, uh, um, you know, not only preserve the capacity, but uh, have that rate compression. Right, right. So, and you touched upon a little bit in, in, in your response, but let's talk about some of the unintended consequences of, of inconsistent freight procurement. I mean, what, what are some of the things that, uh, again, if you're inconsistent, um, you, you know, can, you know, either leave money on the table or, you know, create other challenges? We just see so many shippers still today utilizing Excel spreadsheets to perform freight procurement. Um, emails, uh, you know, looking for rates that are on contractual lanes or spot shipments. And we believe that process is, takes a tremendous time and effort. And when I reach out to folks, the, the theme that I hear is I don't have the resources. I either don't have the IT resources or I don't have the transportation resources to be able to conduct these. So maybe that's why we just haven't done a bid because it's too cumbersome to be able to take that data and be able to crunch that data and figure out who. So I just call carries and say, hey, if you guys can do okay on this lane, just keep doing it. Hey, give me a little bit of increase. I'm still okay. Instead of really going, gosh, I've been dealing with a small group of carriers. I need to be able to use some kind of tool where I can have a vast amount of carriers. There's so many out there. I want to be able to tap into these folks that really may be able to help me. And so instead of using that, that old format of being able to procure your freight, 
utilizing a nimble piece of technology, when I say nimble, it needs to be something that can quickly turn around uh, the efforts and, and at the same time, at a few clicks of a mouse, be able to create that event and be able to get it out, be able to get the information back and then be able to run scenarios and constraints uh, and not do it over a 10 to 12 week period of time. That's why I see people doing these manual type Excel procurement events that take so long because they, they don't do it in a one round, they do it in a two or three round. And I used to be on the truckload sales side. And so I would do all these bids all day long. And yes, I had to provide a pretty good rate because I want to make sure I made it to round two and round three. But I always kind of kept in check what I was going to give my best rate until round three because I knew it was going to last forever. And so the time you're taking to get that done and make it executable, look how much how much money's on the bottom line that you could have been able to done is if you would have got that those awards done quickly and be able to execute off of those. So we just we just see that having a nimble platform like ours. Uh, can help you quickly do a 90-day uh, mini bid or do that semi-annual bid or do that annual bid and, and do it in a way where you can invite a lot more carriers as well as uh, us as a carrier being you know the marketplace. We've got so many asset players that are coming to us going, hey, you own $10 billion worth of freight. We want to talk to those folks and we go, well, you're not going to knock on their door. You got to be vetted by us. We want to understand where you need freight. And so, so now, instead of us having freight, then we call to try to find a truck. We already know the trucks. We know where they want to play. We know where their best lanes are. And so we match them up to our customers in a quick way, too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's where the inconsistency of freight procurement's been. And I really think where you can be more consistent with future consistency with respect to procurement. Yeah, in one to two weeks, you can do that in one to two weeks versus ten to twelve weeks. Yeah, now you you brought some up some good points. I mean, first of all, it's, it's the the old adage, right? You know, time is money, right? So you know, if if you're taking weeks or even months to do this, I mean, you're you're missing out on opportunities over that that time frame. And I think the other the other important piece you you know you talked about you know not having enough resources, um, but I think a lot of folks overlook the 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 cost of labor to do a procurement bid, right? So the focus is always on how can we save, you know, cents per mile on, on a particular lanes and everything else. So you may be saving cents per mile on this lane or that lane or the other, but it's taking you, you know, six weeks, eight weeks to do this. And you've tied up, you know, three or four people to send Excel spreadsheets back and forth, you know? So if you actually calculate the amount of you know, the labor cost involved in doing some of these procurement engagements the traditional way, um, you, you know, you're, you're basically minimizing the amount of savings that you're actually capturing because you've already spent so much time and effort for, <laughs> just for, for sure. Just not, to get not, there. And, and not only that, Adrian, but also what if there's a formula that's done wrong or some kind of calculation because they're, they hit the wrong number or they just didn't view it correctly versus letting technology drive that optimization uh, and running those scenarios based on, hey, do I want it to be all asset? Do I want it to be 50% asset, 50% non-asset? Uh, I, I want the constraints to be X. I don't want this carrier to get more than X. And I want to be able to have a backup carry to get a little bit. So all those ways within technology that you can do that, make it quicker. So you got accuracy and then you got that timing, like you said, uh, it, it's, it's just, it's huge. 
you know, you, you raised a good point, which kind of leads me perfectly to my, my next question, you know, in terms of the role of, of technology. I mean, how, how can technology, and you've touched upon a few points already, but maybe you, you might have some something else to add. I mean, how can technology help companies, especially those that may have, you know, multiple operating units? Because I mean, a lot, particularly for a lot of these large companies, you know, they have multiple divisions, um, you know, th that are perhaps even working with the same carriers, but don't even know, don't even know it. <laughs> I mean, how can, how can the technology help companies, you know, manage their, the transportation data, as you talked before, as well as their transportation spend in, in a more consistent way? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Again, when you have data and, and you have the technology that takes the data and drives outcomes, then you're able to be able to execute off those uh, outcomes, right? So at Emerge, we take multiple operating units and utilize our technology using AI and machine learning and assist shippers with greater visibility. So we have a TMS light um, that we assist shippers that really don't have that executable function once they have the orders ready to be able to go out. And we assist them with that system to be able to tender, get acceptance, uh, drive execution, um, and really in track and trace, all the way to track and trace. We use Project 44 on the track and trace side. You know, one of the other things that I wanted to make mention is, you know, not only is our technology free, but we do the heavy lifting. And so we have a customer strategy team that has solution engineers. And so when somebody says, hey, we realize this is a software and service, but I don't have these resources to be able to execute off of. Can you help us? Not only do we help you, but we'll actually build that bid for you. We'll make sure that we get your network partners set up, which is your carriers. Make sure you get your users set up that you're going to be uh, executing you know, on your on the shippers team, who's going to be or the customers team is going to be executing that, and then build that. And then get when the information comes back, work with our customers in terms of what those scenarios and constraints understand what the outcome is going to be before you hit the button and award it to them. And so that heavy lifting, I think, relieves that pressure off them to go, gosh, I don't have the time to do this, or I don't really just have anybody to help do this. Can you help us? Now, when they do a next bid, you know, we're, we're a little bit more hands-off. We want the customer to be able to experience understanding that so they kind of see and live the data that they're actually performing within our tool but we're always there as support. So they can call us and go, ah, can't remember how to hit this button, what this means when we do this. And that same solutions engineer that worked for them is still attached to that customer and is always there to be able to support them. So I, I wanted to, to, to mention uh, that piece, but the TMS piece is there, but we, but we deal with so many large shippers that have that execution layer. So really that we really say we're still that prior to execution layer, be able to give you the technology you need based on the data you've got in terms of contractual lanes or spot lanes to be able to help you uh, drive to the outcome that you need to, to drive uh, to, to be able to make the right decision for, for procurement awards. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, obviously the, the TMS and the execution side of the TMS is critically important in this because, you know, once you've got that, um, you know, the, that procurement engagement done, whether it's a mini bid or, you know, a larger bid, you know, you ultimately need to start executing on that. And that that's where, you know, TMS comes in. Um, I, I think, you know, part of it is, you know, we, we keep talking about data. And I think part of the role that technology plays here is that particularly for a company that may have multiple uh, operating units is, you know, that the technology, the platform becomes that single source of truth, right? You're able to aggregate, you know, that's, that view of spend, that view of transportation activity all on one platform. Because I know historically when I've talked to a lot of companies, you know, like I mentioned earlier, um, you've got one business unit that's working with a major carrier. Um, 
and then you've got another business unit that that's that's um, another business unit that's working with that same carrier, but the two sides don't talk to each other. So you know, rather than aggregating that spend from a corporate level and and taking yeah. a more holistic and integrated approach to how they go out to procurement and how they manage relationships with carriers, you know, they're taking a very siloed and fragmented approach. So I think technology helps to. Number one, bring the data together and be, help companies kind of take that more holistic, integrated view of what the transportation operations across the corporation looks like and where those opportunities are, perhaps, to take a more um, integrated approach to um, their spend, integrated approach to how they manage their carrier relationships and, and so forth. Do you agree? Yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, we're, we're seeing so many companies still being very siloed. So having, and, and listen, they can... Each, every company works differently and, and, and a lot of their siloed facilities run maybe different products through. So um, that's understandable that they, that they have um, different objective, different uh, outcomes uh, based on products that they bring in or ship out. However, from a transportation, you're right. I mean, having a centralized repository of at least the, certain modes so you understand um if it's product that fits on a, on a 53 foot truck and a 53 truck 53 truck is a 53 foot truck then taking all that data for all those facilities and being able to um, broadcast out to to as many carriers as the network partners as possible that can be able to give you the best overall outcome because again what you're able to potentially do is take some of those facilities that maybe moving a truck this way and then, and then that truck may be able to help move something back out of an origin from another facility because you didn't do that optimization before. And now you've got the ability of the technology to help drive that or just other, other uh, carriers that we have within our marketplace that are moving other freight. And that's what we've done for a couple of our customers. We did it um, specifically with Anheuser-Busch and, and Office Depot tie-in carrier together to be able to, based on where their destination was, was close to the other origin and boom, uh, not only was we got the rate down, but uh, the service, you know, went up just because of that match, if you will. So yeah, I couldn't agree more with, um, you know, driving that data in, into a centralized point to let the technology drive the optimization within your organization. Yeah, I mean, you, you just raised a great uh, you know opportunity there with even just you know cross shipper collaboration and, and, and opportunities there. So, so I think that's another you know important area where um, you, you know this this fits in. Um, you know, whenever we talk about procurement, uh, and I know when I talk to shippers, you know, ultimately the conversation leads to routing guide, right? Because that's all ultimately the output of a lot of these uh, most of these procurement engagements ultimately gets put into some kind of a routing guide. Um, I mean, where where do routing guides fit into this, you know, conversation of agility and consistency? You know, as you know, routing guides have been around and uh, for a long time, and I still feel like they're very important to ensure there's execution of transportation. You know, normally from lowest cost. Uh, however, many companies say, you know, I don't want my just my lowest cost, but I want to make sure that I've got the right network partner carrier from a service aspect built into my routing guide. But the routing guide, to me, for organizations just sets up that that policy, sets up that guideline. And, and you need to, you need to have some way to be able to measure that and manage that. And mo most of that's done through a TMS execution where that now you've taken our 
RFP platform, you've taken that awarded information and you can, and we're integrating with a lot of TMS providers right now to be able to take that right into the routing guide and be able to execute right off of that. And then some that we're still building those API integration points were working on, uh, you know, just taking a flat file to be able to upload into the routing guide to be able to execute off of. But within a routing guide, you know, the key for me as I manage transportation is to make sure that I've got good acceptance because if it goes down the routing guide, I'm losing a dollar every, you know, many dollars every time that's happening. So if I don't have some kind of report that says my number one carry on this lane is, you know, only 90% acceptance, that 10% means it's falling down and it's costing me X dollars. So I need to have a discussion with that carrier to say, all right, what's the problem? I mean, you said you could do this, you're only at 90% or 80%, whatever the number is, you know, let's have a discussion. If I need, if I need to find somebody else on it, I will, um, but having the reports to be able to do that, I think is is so so important um, to tie that back. So yeah, I mean, I think it's it's part of the agility, it's part of the consistency, um, so you can you know manage your organization around uh, what the the outcome was from a procurement standpoint before it went to execution standpoint. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think I mean the way I think about it in my mind is you know. From a consistency standpoint, and you brought this up, and it provides that policy, you know, in terms of making sure that, you know, everyone now is, um, you know, executing off of that routing guide because that's what uh, was the output of, of the procurement. So you don't have, you know, maverick spending going on, if you will, sure. you know, where you've got each shipping location doing their own thing or right. or going outside the routing guide because that costs you money too. But to your point is then, you know, so that, and that, that provides a consistency or that framework to drive consistency and execution. But where the agility comes in is the fact that, hey, you don't set up a routing guy on day one and expect it to be, you know, uh, it's, it's a living, breathing guide, right? Because things are going to change over the course of time. And to your point, you know, you want to make sure that, hey, if your tender acceptance rate is going down and you're going down to your number two, your number three carrier, you're going out to spot market you know, very frequently now, you know, that's where the agility comes in now to say, hey, let's focus in on those areas where, you know, things have changed. And now let's, um, you know, um, do a mini bid, do, do, you know, take some, yeah, I was some just, action. I was, getting, to, I was just getting ready to say that could yeah. be that, that, you know, where you, where you're actually, you're pushing back to go, okay, based on what my results are, based on my reporting, it's telling me, uh, on acceptance and execution, so, something's changed, something's happened. So I may need to take a certain amount of lanes. Maybe first, I want to see if the rates on those lanes have changed. So now I can go to Emerge's benchmarking tool. I can create a, a, a quick benchmark on the lanes to see what the market's bearing. And if I'm over market, oops, maybe that's why the carrier is, is saying, I'll go find something else because maybe the rates have lowered or whatever and create a quick bid uh, to be able to find another carrier or it's, it's picking up the phone and calling a few carriers saying, Hey, your primary, you know, your tissue or, you know, do you want to, do you want this lane uh, and execute off of that? So yeah, you, that's where all the, the entire technology piece and routing guide piece uh, needs to, needs to be, you know, reviewed on a constant basis. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not a, it's not a set it and forget it type of situation. It's a living, breathing, uh, 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 you know, part of, of the end-to-end uh, -end process here. So, so David, as a way to wrap up then, I mean, what, what questions should, you know, transportation executives ask themselves to assess whether they have achieved the right balance of agility and consistency when it comes to freight procurement? 
Yeah. So I would say, you know, how are you procuring your freight today? All modes, but especially truckload freight. I mean, there's over $800 billion with the annual truckload of the United States freight today. So you need to have a nimble, fast technology partner that you can uh, take your data and quickly access. And if you're over market, then you could potentially do a market analysis, benchmark analysis to be able to see where you are and create a quick bid event from that, like we do uh, with an RFP tool. And, and, and I think the other piece is, and Andrew says this many, many times, don't discount the number of carriers and network partners that are out there. Don't think, there used to be this adage that said, I'm trimming, I'm trimming, I'm trying to get down to a lower amount of carriers. I get that. Uh, but when you've got technology that can broadcast that out to hundreds, thousands of carriers to be able to really quickly make a decision. And of course, you're going to do your vetting to make sure that that carrier has all the requirements that you must have, right? And you're going to make sure within our technology that the template you're building, all those requirements of your business is there. So it's understandable that if it's Teams, if it's Hazmat, if it's 1 a.m. pickup, 5 a.m. delivery, all those things to create the best outcome, uh, as long as they know that. Uh, and then I have always said when I was on the truckload sales side, before you award to somebody, pick up the phone, talk to them, have a Zoom meeting, meet them in a room, look them in the eye and say, I'm getting ready to award you X. It's coming out of an Atlanta, Georgia uh, facility. Tell me if you don't have a terminal in Atlanta, how are you getting to Atlanta? And if they blink more than twice, maybe they don't really have a real truck. They're, they're going to figure out a way to get to Atlanta, but that doesn't going to give me as a customer the warm and fuzzy feeling. So I think it's important that you understand when you're getting ready to award this business that there's real communication uh, back and forth. But I think really the, the question is, you know, how are you procuring your freight today? Are you using some kind of technology to drive uh, a quicker outcome, uh, a more knowledgeable outcome, and then you're protecting yourself from capacity and rates. Um, things have gone down, but who knows, they can go back up. It, it, as you said, it's, it's ever changing. So you wanna be able to use something that you can quickly apply as the change takes place. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point with, with the role of technology. I mean. I you know, so there's the there's the technology piece in terms of the software, the optimization, the ability to to um, you know execute on on this procurement process, if you will. But the other area that technology is helping in is it's it's being able to help shippers tap into a much larger base of carriers, particularly owner operators, and you know, kind of that the tail end uh, of. Uh, of the, uh, the the carrier base that they haven't you know before because you know thanks to things like you know APIs and mobile technologies and things of the like so now you've now I mean so I guess another question would be you know how, you know do you have access to a very broad base of carriers that you can potentially tap into you know to meet your ever changing you know capacity needs and um, one of the things that we're going to have that uh, I was just shared from from Andrew is our UI is going to be uh, updated when our shippers are looking at, at our carriers that emerge to be able to uh, potentially award the business from a, from a procurement event, they're actually gonna see the carrier name in there to know that it's a live carrier. So 
there's not a broker in the world that has a carrier name that says, this is who's bidding on your freight. They're trying, again, trying to find that truck. We're actually going to have the name of the truck that's going to be telling you, I'm interested in your business and this is the rate that I'm providing. So it's a real asset. And I think that's going to give a level of um, more secure, uh, confident feeling to shippers, uh, knowing kind of who it is and that these are vetted carriers that uh, that that are are you know, that live and, and they're not fictitious. Right, right. Yeah, so uh, certainly a lot going on and there's going to be continued innovation uh, in, in this space, you know, for, for sure. But uh, Dave, uh, you know, again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. You provided some great uh, insights and, and advice on, on this topic and certainly look forward to having you back in the program, you know, down the road to see, you know, obviously how much the market has changed and what new innovations have been uh you know, brought to market since. So again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Emerge website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Dave, you, you can post it there and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.